We'll be in John chapter 11 today, and so if you would, please take your Bibles and join me in John chapter 11. We've entered the season of Thanksgiving, haven't we? How many of you consider this time of the year to be your favorite? Anyone like that? All right, many do. What is Thanksgiving all about? What what is it meant to remind us about? Turn the word around, right? Giving thanks. That's what it's purposed for. Giving thanks. But giving thanks, real, authentic, sincere, giving of thanks identifies the ideal rather than the natural human tendency, doesn't it? When we talk about having that frame of mind and that character and quality of life of being a thankful person, that is... The goal, but so often not what we naturally lean to. Even during a season set aside for that reason, we tend to fail to give thanks. Thomas Carlyle was a British, a brilliant Scottish writer who lived on a farm in the southwest part of Scotland, and he called that area the loneliest nook in the United Kingdom. Each day he would climb a ladder to his attic, that was his workspace, and he would spend countless hours writing there. And his devoted wife, whose name was Jane, often left alone. He would normally come for dinner and spend that time with her and sometimes return to the attic back to his writing. One night as they were sitting around the table, his wife asked him why he never expressed appreciation for the meals that she prepared for him. In anger, Thomas responded to his wife, "'Must you be paid for everything you do?' And with that, he left the table and stomped back up to the attic into his workspace. Years later, when Jane had passed away, Carlyle found her diary. And on tear-stained pages, he read the recurring refrain over and over again, Oh, I wish you would say a kind word or give me a compliment now and then about the things I do to try to make you happy. He failed to be grateful. Unfortunately, we too neglect to express thankfulness to those who have been good to us or done good for us. To be truly, sincerely thankful. But even more surprising is that we can neglect to express thankfulness to God who is infinitely more good to us and done 
infinitely more good for us than anyone else. The psalmist declared these words at the beginning of Psalm 119. In verse 68, he wrote, Thou art good and doest good. We serve a God who is both good and who does good. And that is true all the time. Unfortunately, we can be guilty of neglecting to be thankful. A Christian speaker and author wrote a blog entitled An Honest Look at Thankfulness. And in this blog, it describes an account of a youth leader who was sitting with a group of eighth grade girls. And it was around Thanksgiving time. And their challenge, name three things that you are thankful for. Girl number one responded, food, family, friends. Came to girl number two. Girl number two said, food, family, friends. And with that, the youth leader recognized what was happening. So the youth leader introduced a new rule. You cannot repeat what somebody else has said. Why? Because so often, do you have a little tradition around Thanksgiving time, maybe with your family around the table, or at some point, you ask one another, or someone who's the, the leader of this hospitality table or whatever, gives the challenge, all right, let's all go around and say what we're thankful for. Do you find that sometimes we give something that we're thankful for without being terribly thoughtful about what it is we're saying we're thankful for. We, we don't really tend to give much thought to gratitude. Our human nature tends to neglect to give thanks or to express thankfulness, but to do so thoughtlessly, insincerely, inauthentically. This happens in relation to giving thanks to other people, and it happens in giving thanks to God. How many of you pray before your meal? Can I ask you, when you pray before your meal, are you pretty repetitive with the words? The prayer is the same, meal by meal by meal. And when you're eating three meals a day, or five or six or however many times you pray over a meal each day or food do you find yourself repeating the same words in that prayer and it's not just that you're repeating words but the reason the repetition is what it is is because there's not really a lot of thought behind it yes you're saying thank you for the food but have you really given thought to God giving that food and how much you owe to him even for that meal that's in front of you? This is our human tendency, isn't it? To fail to give thanks or to do so in ways that are not sincere. And so as we enter this Thanksgiving season, 
I want us to take an honest look at thankfulness with a determination to become thankful. We're still going to do this within the context of Jesus. We'll look at him to see examples of thankfulness. You've opened your Bible to John 11. John 11 needs little introduction for us because of how familiar we are with this account. We learn in this passage that Lazarus was ill. Jesus was a good friend of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. They sent word to Jesus asking him to come, that if he would come, he could heal Lazarus and Lazarus would be made well. But Jesus delayed going until after Lazarus had already died. Jesus shows up, Mary and Martha are broken and grieving the the loss of their brother. But Jesus came to the tomb with them and commanded that the stone be rolled away. And Martha reasoned that Lazarus' body, because he had already been in the tomb for four days, was already decaying. That's why she said, it stinketh. He's already in that process. What can be done? But Jesus prevailed and the stone was rolled away. But we don't find Jesus immediately then calling out for Lazarus to come forth, do we? No. Before he called for Lazarus to come out, the stone's already been rolled away. Jesus, what are you going to do Before he called for Lazarus to come forth, he paused, he lifted his eyes to the Father, and he prayed. Would you pick up with me in verse number 41? Then they took the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. When he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with, about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Father, as we come to this time, I thank you that you are present in this place. That you're here among us, in us, working even through the time of worship and working now as we dig into the Word of God. And I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would have freedom to work in us through the Word about this area, this theme of thankfulness. I pray that no matter where we may be, on the scale of thankfulness that we would grow even more as we spend time in the Word today. 
And we'll be sure to praise and thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus offered thanks to the Father. The word comes from the Greek word eucharisteo, and it means to be grateful, to express gratitude. It even has the idea of saying thanks at a meal. This example of Jesus simply expressing thankfulness in prayer speaks to us about our approach to God. How are you prone to approach God? When you come before God, whether it be in private prayer, at a mealtime, or just in daily devotional life, maybe with your family, those of you who perhaps spend time with your spouse or with your family, around a time you might call family altar, time together worshiping and praying to the Lord, how are you prone to come before him? Do you come before God with thankful hearts or complaint? Do we neglect coming before God at all? Jesus expresses thankfulness. It challenges us to reorient our approach to God in prayer with expressions of thankfulness. As we look at this text, I want to ask you the question, what did Jesus express thankfulness for? As you look at John 11, can you pick out what it is Jesus gave thanks for? As I've studied this text, I want us, as we enter this season of Thanksgiving, to see Jesus expressing thankfulness for five blessings in this text. And these five blessings provide us with motivation and application for expressing thankfulness. Let's start with number one. Jesus expressed thankfulness to God for relationship. Jesus expressed thankfulness to God for relationship. Now, I just want to stop a moment so you don't get too distracted. I know thankfulness is spelled a little differently than what you're used to. It's because I want us to focus on being full of thanks. Having a heart filled with giving thanks to God. And Jesus expresses that. He demonstrates it first by giving thanks to his Father for relationship. How does he open his prayer? Father. Father. Don't rush past that. It truly is significant. Prior to Jesus, Jewish people did not address God this way. You never find in the Bible or in historical writings Jewish people get, praying to God, speaking to God, or addressing God with that term, Father. They did not view having a relationship God in this sense, but Jesus did. You say, well, pastor, he's the only begotten, that unique son of God. But I remind you that Jesus taught others to pray that way as well, didn't he? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, 
After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The reality of this special relationship is highlighted in the letters of the Apostle Paul to the churches. And remember who Paul was. Paul, the Apostle, saved on the road to Damascus, set apart by Jesus into a unique ministry for him. The Apostle Paul, before coming to Jesus, would never have addressed God as Father, but Paul understood the significance. Paul understood the gift, the blessing of what he had with relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And in every epistle penned by the Apostle Paul to the churches, you find him highlight the relationship of God as Father. We read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning. He spoke of God our Father. And guess what? Continue. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Every letter Paul penned to a church, he highlighted the reality right at the start. God is our Father through Jesus Christ. We are privileged who have believed on Jesus Christ to be our Savior, to enjoy a relationship with God as Father John 1 12 but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God we know that verse but friends do you realize the significance of it in Jesus Christ we are made children of God through the adoption of the spirit he is our father can I ask you today do you know God as your father recently as i was visiting with someone in the hospital and we were speaking and there were others in the room and one of the people in the room made the comment as we were talking and the comment was this we're all god's children unfortunately that statement is a little misleading it lacks clarity we are all gods by virtue of creation, but friends, only those who enter relationship with God through Jesus Christ are his children. Not everyone is a child of God. Not everyone can say of God, you are my father, only those who have believed on Jesus Christ. And so I ask you today, is God your father? Are you his child? Today, you may know the blessing of relationship with God because he sent Jesus, his only begotten son. Jesus lived the life that we could not. He died the death that we deserve. And he rose from the grave, conquering sin, death, and hell. Jesus lived perfectly, died sacrificially, and rose triumphantly from the grave. He holds the keys of death and hell. Though our sin condemns us to both, death and hell, because Jesus triumphed over them, he offers us eternal life. 
Believe on him. Your sins will be forgiven. Your name written in the Lamb's book of life. You'll be made a child of God and you'll spend eternity with him. Is God your father? If not, believe on Jesus today. And then child of God, you may see so much darkness in your life right now. You may see so much darkness in the world and be overwhelmed by what you see. Be overwhelmed by wickedness seeming to prosper on every hand. Be overwhelmed by wickedness seeming to gain the upper hand and win victory after victory. You may see darkness all around you and yet we can enter this season full of thankfulness. Rejoicing over our relationship with God. One said it this way, to know God as our Father, our almighty, loving Father, is the highest, richest, and most rewarding aspect of our whole relationship with Him. He's our Father. Paul said it this way in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse number 16, he said, now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, catch this, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Think of what Paul says just in that verse is true. If you have a relationship with God as your father, you have a father who provides unconditional love. You have a father who provides unending comfort. And you have a father who gives undeserved hope. You may have never known the blessing of a good relationship with a father in this life, in this world. But whether you have a good relationship with your earthly father or not, God as father provides these and so much more. And so if nothing else provides thankfulness, you can express thankfulness to God for relationship. Number two, second blessing that applies to us that we can claim. Jesus expressed thankfulness to God for responsiveness. This might be the one that, that is most evident in the text, right? What did Jesus say? Look back at verse 41. As Jesus began to pray to his father, he said, Father, what? I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Dads. Talking to you for just a moment. There ever been times when you did not hear your child? And it's not because we're deaf, is it? I can tell you it's happened with me. We might be sitting down at home and there's a football game playing. And my child might have said something once, twice, three times to me. And I'll eventually hear Stephanie say, Brooklyn, what was it you're trying to ask your daddy? And I realize, oh, someone was trying to get my attention. I completely missed it. There's something about 
dads. When the football game is on, they enter this state of hypnosis, and nothing gets through. You know what I'm talking about, dads. Don't act like you don't. We, we fail to realize that anyone else even exists in those moments, let alone speaks to us, desiring some sort of a response from us. That, that can be our tendency as dads at times. The next two expressions of thankfulness, though, address this phenomenon. Jesus says to the Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. What was the tense that Jesus used? Past tense. Apparently, before Jesus ever got to the tomb and unrecorded in Scripture, Jesus had already had a conversation with his Father about this situation. He had already prayed to the Father about Lazarus, about Mary, about Martha. And what a wonderful reminder for us as a side note that Jesus lives today in heaven ever to make intercession for us. Before he ever got to the tomb, Jesus had already addressed the Father and knew that God had heard his prayer. And so he says to the Father, thank you for hearing me. The reality that the Father hears gives us reason to be thankful. Do you ever cry out to God? Do you ever speak to the Lord and ask Him for a need? Do you ever cry out to God and just share what's on your heart? Share the hurt, share the pain, share the grief the trouble share your concerns share the the things that keep you up at night share the the issues going on with a loved one that are so pressing on your heart and mind and then sense that maybe God hasn't heard me I've cried out to him about this over and over again, and nothing seems to be changing. Nothing seems to be going on. There doesn't seem to be any type of response whatsoever. Maybe God just hasn't heard me. Friend, if you've ever been there, or if you're there right now, let me encourage you today. We can go into this season full of thankfulness because God does hear us. Psalm 3, 4, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. Psalm 4, 3, but know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Psalm 17, 6, I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me and hear my speech. Psalm 55, 17, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Psalm 16, 116, 1, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Over and over, the psalmist expressed thankfulness to God because he heard the prayers offered to him. Do you know and believe today 
that God hears and responds when you call to him? He's committed himself to you in that way. To Jeremiah, in chapter 33, verse 3, God said this, Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Even Jesus himself promised, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. How could Jesus promise that? Here's how. Because you and I have a heavenly Father who hears and responds to the cries of his children. And so we can express thankfulness today for the God, our Father, who responds to us. Number three... Along with that, a third blessing, Jesus expressed thankfulness to God for reliability. Jesus went on from saying, God, I thank you that you've heard me. Father, you've heard me in this prayer. But he didn't stop there, did he? Look in your Bibles at verse number 42. What does Jesus say beyond that? And I know what? That thou hearest me always. Father, thank you for hearing me, this prayer, this context. But it was more than that. It wasn't just, Father, you've responded to me now in this situation. Jesus went on and he said, Father, you always hear me. What a blessing. <clears throat> Jesus saw, knew, trusted in the faithfulness, the reliability of his Father. Do you know today that our God is faithful to care for the needs of his children? Thomas Obadiah Chisholm, you probably may not know his name, but are familiar certainly with his hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. As a young man, he, shortly after he was saved, at the age of 27, was ordained to ministry by the Methodists, and he went into ministry, but only for a short time because he ended up experiencing very poor health, so much so that he could not fulfill his ministry as a pastor. And so he moved to Vineland, New Jersey, where he opened an insurance office. But he was always interested in poetry. And he actually wrote hundreds of poems during his lifetime. And it was that passage in Lamentations 3 that inspired him to write, Great Thy Faithfulness. Those verses that read, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. By his own testimony, even though poor health caused him to leave the ministry that he believed God called him to, his own experienced the faithfulness of God. Though he suffered ill health most of his adult life and never made much money, 
he would say, quote, God has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care, which have filled me with astonishing gratefulness. As I look over the course of my life, I too see the manifold manifestations of the faithfulness of God to me. The times I thought life might end, that I couldn't take another step, I reached the end of a road and could not find the way through it all. God has provided and been faithful. Friends, commit today to give thanks for the reliability of God. Blessing number four that Jesus expressed thankfulness for in this text. Jesus expressed thankfulness to God for relationship, responsiveness, reliability, but then for reason. Reason. Look in your Bibles, verse number 42. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus knew that he had a purpose from the Father. That his life was a life of meaning, purpose, and reason. That was a situation that Jesus never struggled with, but it is one that you and I struggle with. Jesus knew his purpose from the Father. You and I struggle at times to understand if we have purpose. And if we do, what that purpose may be. I believe reason or purpose verbalizes one of the greatest needs of man and one of the greatest challenges of our day. The, the reason why we see so much of what we see going on in the world today is because of a lack of reason, purpose, meaning. We could spend many messages talking about reason and purpose. Theologian and philosopher William Barclay stated the need for reason well when he said this, there are two great days in a person's life the day we are born, and the day we discover why. Purpose. Reason. One of the greatest questions of humanity is, why are we here? Why am I here? And lack of purpose expresses one of the greatest questions and challenges of humanity today. But the reality is that all purpose comes from God. And apart from Him, one lacks true purpose. But if you know God, even if you don't always know the why or the what the purpose is, you and I can express thankfulness to God that we have purpose. I'm glad to know today that I am a person created in the very image of God for a unique purpose that God knew before I was ever thought of. 
before I was ever conceived, God knew me and he knew my purpose. He knew what my life would be and planned for me to be filled with reason, purpose. It doesn't matter who you are, what stage of life you're at. You can be assured today you have purpose. You have reason for being here. Significance in the plan of God. And you can give thanks for that. And then, let me give you a fifth blessing that Jesus expressed thankfulness to God for that you and I can as well. And that is resurrection. Why was Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus? How many of you visit the grave of loved ones from time to time? You return to a cemetery, perhaps even a mausoleum, and you stand there at the grave of that loved one. It might have been a spouse, it might have been a parent, one of your own children or grandchildren, a brother or sister. You go to that place, and often it's a place of remembrance. It's a place of grief. If you're a child of God, it's probably a place of remembrance and hope that you'll meet again. Why did Jesus go to the tomb of Lazarus? I know earlier in John 11, Jesus wept and he was grieved. But Jesus did not go to the tomb of Lazarus to grieve. He did not go to remember. He, he didn't go there even for the, the purpose of just remembering and hoping that he would see Lazarus someday again in the future. Jesus went with a very clear purpose. To raise Lazarus. And so when Jesus prays to the Father, I want you to see verses 43 and 44. Yes, it's not a, a, an address to the Father. He, he cries out to Lazarus to come forth. He speaks to the others to loose him and let him go. But when he prayed to the Father and said, I thank you that you've heard me and that you hear me always, what was in the heart and mind of Jesus? The thought of resurrection. He was there for the resurrection of Lazarus. Lazarus got out of the grave. God had, had answered his prayer. The Father had answered Jesus' prayer. Through the resurrection of Lazarus, Jesus demonstrated his power. This will show others that you have sent me. And the Bible goes on to tell us in the end of chapter 11 and even into chapter 12 that many believed on Jesus because he raised Lazarus from the grave. So much so that the religious leaders not only wanted to kill Jesus, they wanted to kill Lazarus again because... Many were believing on Jesus because Lazarus was a walking testimony of the power of Jesus. He'd been raised from the grave. But I would 
submit to you that the resurrection of Lazarus was not the only thing on Jesus' mind. He gave thanks for resurrection, not only the resurrection of Lazarus, but considered the resurrection of Jesus himself. As Jesus stood there outside that tomb, in front of which a stone had been rolled, do you not think that Jesus thought forward into the future just a short way? Not just his face was set as a flint toward Jerusalem where he would go and die for the sins of all mankind, but do you not think that Jesus saw beyond the cross? He saw, if I can say it this way, his own body lying in a tomb. He thought about and he saw that body raised to life again. The stone rolled away from the door and himself walking out of the grave triumphantly. I'm sure that on that day as Jesus thought about the resurrection of Lazarus. He thought about his own resurrection and he gave thanks and praise to God for resurrection. I think Jesus saw it more than that. I think that as Jesus stood there, he saw and thought about the resurrection of salvation. You see, there's a resurrection that takes place when someone believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible describes it as a resurrection to life because apart from Christ, we are dead. You say, Pastor, I feel pretty alive today. And I've not believed on Christ. Your body's alive, but your spirit is dead. That part of you that communes and can have relationship with God apart from Jesus Christ is dead. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. And Jesus told those of his day, unless you believe on me, you repent and you turn to me, you will die in your sins. Physically, you'll meet death still spiritually dead. And that's what leads to what the Bible calls the second death, eternity separated from God in a place called hell, later the lake of fire for all of eternity separated from God. But as Jesus stood outside the tomb of Lazarus, he thought upon the resurrection of Lazarus. Beyond that, he thought upon the resurrection of himself. Certainly, Jesus thought upon the resurrection of salvation. Why did he go to the cross? Why did he rise from the grave? So that you and I could experience new life in Christ. But beyond that, I think Jesus saw another resurrection. How about the resurrection of the saved? The early church struggled to comprehend what was true for those who had believed on Jesus Christ and yet experienced physical death. And so Paul wrote in many places, most familiar to us, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to show that we do not need to mourn those who are lost for their sake. We don't need to grieve as those that have no hope. Why? Because Jesus 
in rising from the grave became the first fruits of them who sleep, those who are dead in him. He set the bar. He made the way. And Paul declares in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that when Jesus comes in the clouds, he will shout. The, the voice of the archangel will shout. The trump of God will sound. And before those of us who are alive and remain go to meet him, then they which are asleep shall be raised first. And that corruptible will put on incorruptible, and that mortal will put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The strength of death is sin. The strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Holidays can be a hard time for those who have lost a loved one. It can be a time of remembrance in a grieving and mourning way. But friends, as we enter this season of Thanksgiving, can I encourage you that we can express thankfulness to God as Jesus did for resurrection. Through all of these examples, the resurrection of Lazarus, of Jesus, of salvation, of the saved, we have reason to thank God for resurrection. Whether it's thankfulness for the resurrection of Jesus because he defeated death, the grave, and hell for us. Whether it's thankfulness for the resurrection of salvation because if you know Jesus Christ, you've experienced the joy and the, the resurrection of new life in him. Or it may be expressing thankfulness for the resurrection of the saved because of the comfort that it gives to those of us who have already seen a loved one pass on. We can express thankfulness to the Father for resurrection. And so this Thanksgiving season, can we commit to thankfulness? Yes, we should give thanks to God for the food, the family, the friends. We, we should give God thanks for all the blessings he's bestowed upon us. But here are five blessings that Jesus expressed thankfulness for that you and I can join him in. Relationship. God is our father through Christ. Responsiveness, when he hears when we cry out to him, he hears. Reliability, he is faithful. For, for that uh, thought of reason, we have a purpose that he has given us. And for resurrection, can we commit to thankfulness? What dominates your approach to God? The Bible declares God is good and he does good so what can you express thankfulness to god for jesus gave us five examples let's join him in thankful hearts to god for these blessings
determined to express thankfulness to God in prayer as Jesus did. And then, friend, if you don't know Christ, God has done so much for you. Be thankful, but begin a relationship with him through putting your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. And you too can enjoy the blessing of relationship with God.